Hi, I'm Audrey Choi, Chief Sustainability Officer at Morgan Stanley and CEO of the Institute for Sustainable Investing. Welcome to Season 2 of At Scale. Let's start by imagining January in Gackle, North Dakota. A semi-truck is pulling up to a large warehouse. Inside, there are rows upon rows of stacked boxes. Darn cold outside, but it's uh, temperate, 40 degrees on the inside, and the semi drives in one end of stops right in the middle. That's John Miller. This is his warehouse. And unlike a lot of warehouses, there's no fluorescent lighting overhead. We want it to be dark and quiet and calm and safe. And I'm in that building just about every day, monitoring and checking, making sure that the fans work, that the uh, oxygen level is good, that the humidity level is low, that the temperature is stable. And it puts these bees into a deeply restful state. Yes, John Miller is a beekeeper. And every January, he wakes hundreds of millions of his bees out of that restful state and sends them to work. But first they've got a nearly 2,000-mile commute by semi-truck. Yeah, it's a, it's about 40 loads down, and then, you know, it, you can get 350 to 450 hives on a semi, depending on how heavy those beehives are. Tarp it all down, safe, and then you open the door on the other end of the warehouse, and the semi-driver departs and gets on the freeway and heads for California. And to put this in perspective, John is just one of about 2,000 beekeepers trucking over a million hives to California every year. Why? To fulfill their critical role in putting food on our tables. You've heard about the butterfly effect, how a small change can have a big, sometimes unpredictable impact. Well, today on At Scale we find out how the tiny honeybee is actually an economic and ecological giant responsible for one-third of our global food supply and connected to more than $4 trillion in economic activity. And that matters because honeybees, our essential insect workers, are in trouble. I see every year American beekeepers lose 35 45% of their hives. We can't sustain this. This is unsustainable. Last season on At Scale, we met people finding innovative solutions to our global plastic waste problem. This season, we're taking a close-up look at things that may seem insignificant, things we may take for granted, but like the honeybee, they have or could have a big impact on the way we live, the flow of capital, and the future of our planet. And if we invest in them and really understand their power and potential, they can help us build a more sustainable future. And when it comes to honeybees, it's all about pollination power, something Dawn Musel learned as a teenager on her family's apple orchard in Ohio. We had 40 acres and it was usually pretty consistent in terms of crop yields, but then There was one year we just had really bad apples, small, underformed, and we brought in a crop consultant and they informed us that it's largely because of a lack of sufficient pollination. 
So if you think of anything you eat in chocolate, avocados, apples, that started off as a flower. And then from the bee visiting, they were able to move the pollen to the next plant, which is what enables that fruit or the baby of the plant to be born. And so they're recommended getting some beehives. And um, you can't just go to the grocery store and get beehives. And um, my uh, mom and I started beekeeping to help with the pollination. Once the bees came in, the crop flourished. The experience left a big impression on Dawn. She went on to become a bee broker, connecting farmers who need pollination help with beekeepers who wanted to make extra income. I'm just bouncing from bee to bees. I've also done other things. I'm not just a bee person, but mostly I am. Um, That pollination work is a big deal because... More than 70% of all of our food is reliant on pollinators. And the major pollinator that we use in particular is honeybees, Apis mellifera. What's different about bees as opposed to, you know, butterflies or flies or any other other insect that lands on flowers? Yeah. That's a great question because they're pollinators as well. Butterflies are very incredibly important pollinators. The only really big difference is pollination efficiency. The bigger the bee, the better and more pollen they can move from plant to plant. Butterflies move smaller amounts. But also I think the biggest factor is that we don't have managed colonies of butterflies. It's honestly 10,000 years of human history in engaging with beekeeping. And so we know how to manage hives for our agricultural practices. But over the last 50 years, there's been a big shift in farming and food production, a shift that explains why billions of bees now travel around the country in semi-trucks. John Miller has watched it happen. The dynamic has really changed because this planet seeks insect-pollinated foods. They're healthy and nutritious and good for us. Our Western honeybee is the global champion of pollination, but the demand, the demand for insect pollinated foods, that's only going to expand, especially as we try to feed this hungry planet. John knows his bees do important work, and he's spent a lifetime learning about them. You know, this is a super organism just loaded with individuals and maybe 100,000 individuals in this super organism we call the beehive where no one's giving directions, but everyone obeys. Isn't that incredible? This is just the most interesting job ever. I've got the best job in the world. John actually grew up on the job. His great-grandfather started Miller Honey Farms in 1894. Today, John keeps about 16,000 hives, which is medium-sized when it comes to migratory beekeeping. And until fairly recently, most of their income came from honey. So in the old days, it was like a 30% pollination income and 70% honey production model. That's completely reversed now. Now, a huge chunk of John's income comes from one crop, a crop that relies on pollinators. The almond industry in California began to emerge in the early 70s, and the demand for pollination services began to grow and soon outstripped the readily available beehives in California. And so beekeepers like us started bringing bees to almond orchards in uh, central California. And when they roll up to those orchards, John's bees join billions of others in what is described as the biggest pollination event on Earth. Over the last 25 years, the California almond industry exploded 
jumping from 370 million pounds to 3.1 billion pounds, feeding our growing appetite for the almonds, as well as almond milk, almond flour, and almond butter. Today, California alone produces a staggering 50 to 80% of almonds worldwide. The orchards cover an area the size of the state of Delaware. But without honeybees, it doesn't happen. And while almonds are the most lucrative pollination crop, with farmers paying between $150 to $200 per hive, managed honeybees play an even bigger role. They sustain our food system, pollinating around 90 different commercial crops. There's peaches and plums and the early season cherries are in California. In April, we will send bees up into uh, Washington for apple pollination. And once the bees have finished their work in the apples, they're pretty much ready to then come across and return to uh, North Dakota in May. Peaches, plums, cherries, apples. In fact, one out of every three bites of food you eat was pollinated by a honeybee or other insect. Our dependency on pollinated crops shot up 300% over the last 50 years. Globally, pollination services are worth more than $3 trillion. And now, because we expect to have these foods all year round at a reasonable cost for a growing population, there's a lot of pressure on honeybees, and they're feeling it. I see every year... American beekeepers lose 35, 45% of their hives. I see every year beekeepers struggling and restoring their outfits to the count they need to make a living. But it costs enormous amounts of money and time and labor to get the hives back up to strength. There are a lot of reasons behind the big bee losses. Parasites like the Varroa mite feed on bees and spread disease. Then there's the pesticides farmers use to maximize crop yields and the stress of travel. But another problem looms large for the tiny honeybee. Turns out these little food-producing powerhouses are running out of food of their own. There just aren't enough flowers. We need more flowers because modern farming is roadside to roadside, ditch to ditch, and not a weed anywhere in the corn or the soybeans or the wheat. And there's just fewer flowers everywhere. When the bees aren't on the road doing their essential work, they're back home in North Dakota making honey. Honey that will feed them through the winter while they rest in that climate-controlled warehouse. But they need flowers to make those honey reserves. And when they don't get enough... John has to step in. I'm the gatekeeper for these hives. And it's my responsibility to, if I can't put them in prosperity's path, a big field of blooming flowers, then I must prevent them from perishing. So feed them or give them a medicine to keep them healthy. And this past summer, John faced another challenge, one that's a lot harder to solve, climate change. When we first spoke, one of the worst droughts in modern history was still scorching much of the American West, Midwest, and parts of Canada. Right now in North Dakota and big chunks of of Canada, it's a desert. If you're a honeybee, it's a desert. It hasn't rained here for six weeks. In 2020 alone, that drought is estimated to have caused up to $23 billion in economic losses. And in the future, those losses could be even higher. The drought took a toll on John's bees 
and wreaked havoc on California's water-hungry crops. Some farmers even abandoned fields of almond trees they couldn't irrigate. As consumers, there's no doubt we will feel its impact too, because fewer bees and fewer crops means higher prices at the grocery store. And when John looks even further into the future and sees more drought and extreme weather, he's worried about what this means for business, but more importantly, what it means for bees and the food supply. The fabric of American beekeeping is coming unraveled because we can't sustain this. This is unsustainable. I don't know how many times we can bring it back. I really don't. We know that bees are dying. We understand that there's losses. It's very big in the news. But like, what is this bigger picture? For the past few years, Don Musil has been looking at the big picture from a new perspective as an MBA student at Oxford University. And that helped her see an opportunity. What you have right now in the pollination economy is a lot of movement and transportation of these hives around the country. It's pretty high carbon emissions and you're risking more stress on the hives, more potential spread of, of disease. Don teamed up with three other Oxford students to create Bee Bank and Brokerage, a tool to finance a more sustainable pollination economy. They're starting out by helping sideliner beekeepers, people with 50 to 500 hives, break into the lucrative $20 billion pollination industry. They're not full-time beekeepers, so they're not out there building these relationships with farmers. And so we help manage that, the relationships, the contracts, and the logistics. That matchmaking, or bee brokering work, lowers costs and creates stability for farmers and sideliners. And by focusing on connecting sideliners to local farmers, they reduce transport emissions, stress on hives, and the spread of disease. The banking part of the business comes into play because sideliners who want to grow or even just maintain, need capital. And right now, that's hard to come by. Agricultural workers or people looking to scale up often are dependent on collateral, like land. And beekeepers don't often have that. They're often holding their hives on someone else's land. And if your collateral is something that is pretty risky, being a beehive, it's harder to offer those loans. So certainly there are companies that do that, but it's more of a one-off rather than a designed instrument. I mean, given how critical bees are to agriculture and therefore global food supply, is finance for bees not part of existing agricultural subsidies and other programs for farmers large and small? Well, we would love to talk to more people who are working on the same problem. So far, we haven't really found anyone else doing that, and that's what we're, we're working on. There's small grants available for people who are starting in beekeeping, and that's something that we also find valuable to be able to help people access, but they're often pretty small. Bee Bank and Brokerage helps out by offering a range of working capital loans. $100,000 might go towards buying treatments and nutrients to keep pests like the Varroa mites from destroying a colony. It might help a sideliner set up a wintering warehouse like John Miller's so the hives have a better chance of being in good shape for pollination season. When you think about it, investing in small-scale local beekeeping operations is investing in our own food supply and climate resiliency. By 2050, we'll need to feed 2 billion more people. Adding just one beehive per acre of apple orchards would increase crop yields by nearly 15%. On a hungry, warming, increasingly unpredictable planet, that can make a big difference. Plus, there's lots of room to grow. If 
things scale as effectively as we'd like to, then Australia also has a massive beekeeping market that is experiencing some some shifts right now, as well as China. Um, there was a massive lo- loss of hives and resources over COVID because certain provinces were cut off. And so there's just a lot of potential for systemic shifts in apiculture, and we'd like to see it grow across the world. Because of that potential, Bee Bank and Brokerage won the 2021 Kellogg Morgan Stanley Sustainable Investing Challenge. Each year, the challenge issues a call to graduate students from around the world to bring us their best ideas for a financial innovation that can be not only profitable and scalable, but also drive significant environmental or social impact. Bee Bank and Brokerage support and loans offers a unique solution. They might also help more beekeepers access bee-saving technology that involves taking a closer look and listen to the secret life of bees. Just clicking on hive number one, I can see that they've been flying quite well today. There's about 15,000 trips. George Clouston is a beekeeper in the northwest of England. He's also head of global development at Bee Hero, a company that uses sophisticated hive monitoring technology to support effective honeybee pollination and gather data about their welfare around the world. Today, George is at home, but checking in on his beehives five miles away. He simply logs onto an app on his computer. I can see that the brood temperature is actually really good. It's very stable, 34 and a half degrees. George can see all this thanks to a few high-tech devices installed on his hives. Devices he's been helping to develop for more than a decade. So, that's the little sensor. He holds up a small white plastic clip about an inch wide that has a microphone in it. It has a temperature sensor and a humidity sensor. So that's telling you about the, the status of the colony, the queen. And that just clips over the top of a frame like that, sits at the top and that's it. No wires. You literally just push it on. And once it's in, it's, it sends its data to what we call a gateway unit. It's effectively a mobile phone inside a box. So basically it collects data from the sensor and then sends it via the the cell phone network to a cloud computer, then the beekeeper or whoever's interested in the data logs into an account and they can see what's going on with their bees. The application is also gathering data from a slim plastic rectangular bee counter that sits at the entrance to the hive. It keeps track of bees going in and out and can help a beekeeper see if a hive is strong and finding a lot of food in the field. And then we have hive scale which sits under the hive it weighs it and that really tells you about how much honey and food they've got inside the hive and how much they're bringing back and how much they're eating the app is trained to recognize patterns in the data the sounds temperature and weight changes that indicate all is well or not well with a hive so that if something is off a beekeeper gets an alert and they can quickly act when their bees are in trouble for example if the computer recognizes this sound which is the sound of worker bees fanning their wings, it cross-references the scale and the sensor to determine what's happening. Because it could mean the bees are in distress, or a new queen bee has emerged and left on a mating flight. The beekeeper gets an alert because that's a vulnerable time for a hive. While she's out, the whole future of the colony hangs in the balance. And the bees fan uh, while she's out on the flight, they, they push pheromones out from the hive to attract her back to the hive so she can help her find her way home. 
This technology gives beekeepers a few key things. Reduce labor costs because you don't have to physically check in on your hives regularly. And real-time insight without having to disturb the bees. After all, think about a hive inspection from the honeybee's perspective. It's like if you're at home and a giant comes along, takes the roof off your house, pulls the furniture out, you know, lets all the heat out, shakes you about a bit, and then puts it all back together and walks off. You think, whoa, what was all that about? You know, it's sort of quite disruptive. You still need to do inspections. There's no replacing that completely. But if you can actually do that when you need to do it, as opposed to just doing it to have a look to see what's going on, it, it can actually can save time and actually it can save disturbing the bees. George says hive monitoring technology helps us understand the best conditions for healthier, happier, and more stable bees, which translates into optimal pollination. But there's more. The bees also act as sensors themselves, telling us a lot about the health of the local ecosystem. So they're like sentinels of the environment. And by understanding what the health and the status of a colony, you understand the health and the status of the environment in which they're living. So the bees can actually inform us about what's going on. We can actually learn stuff from bees without a doubt. So if you get a loss of habitat, you know, you get a fall in bees and so on. And if you improve the habitat, you'll get more bees and then you'll get more seeds, nuts, fruits. You can actually take specific actions to improve the biodiversity by listening to the bees. George and Bee Hero are working to make their monitoring technology available on an even larger scale by partnering with the World Bee Project, a community interest company that's collecting data on 2.5 billion bees in 50,000 intelligent hives in the UK and Europe. They're working on expanding that network in developing economies. Our main focus is on enabling smallholder farmers and beekeepers to improve their crop yields and incomes and basically to build more resilient food systems. But in all these areas, we see that women farmers make critical contributions to farming, but they don't often have a voice in their communities. That's Sabia Malik, the founder of the World Bee Project. They're using some of those smart hives on a project in East Jerusalem in Israel. We partnered with uh, established Israeli and Palestinian NGOs and we trained um, 16 women in sustainable beekeeping to learn new skills, to develop an additional livelihood option, and to generate cash income for themselves from the sale of honey. In these societies, it's really important that women have incomes of their own because it empowers them, it enhances their status in their families and in their communities. Sabia recalls one of the participants who expanded her rooftop beekeeping setup to include a garden where she grew vegetables pollinated by the bees. She started inviting people to tour her space. So it became a kind of domestic bee tourism which was very lovely because she was inviting people to tea and uh, telling them about the, the life of the bees and how her own personal life had been affected by it. And there's a very amusing aspect to this as well, that there were men in the community who began to look at the women with great respect as very brave people. They thought, these women are really brave that they are going so close to the hives and they're not afraid of being sunk. So, you know, in addition to everything else, the women uh, are now seen as heroic persons. 
The World Bee Project wants to enable more women and small-scale farmers to become bee heroes. With the help of Bee Hero technology, they aim to get a global picture of bee and ecosystem health, and thereby a holistic approach to addressing sustainability and food security. When we are working with farmers, we are really helping them to learn about the role of maintaining healthy ecosystem services. You know, pollinating plants, maintaining healthy soil, controlling pests, providing habitat for wildlife. All of this is vital to food production and the livelihoods of these farmers, but it is also important for mitigating climate change. Back in North Dakota, beekeeper John Miller is taking a similar but lower tech approach to fighting bee declines. He's working with a nonprofit, the Bee Informed Partnership, to create more pollinator friendly environments on farms, in people's gardens, and in some surprising places like commercial distribution and fulfillment centers. There's one opening in Fargo right next month. Why don't we take the area beyond the pavement and just seed it into some flowers and these Hundreds of distribution centers could operate as nutrition islands, and it wouldn't cost anything. This is my dream. I would just like to see us think as a society. I'd like us to think a little more about the planet we occupy and how we're taking care of it. This is not rocket science. I'm getting a little wound up. (laughs) Maybe we should all be getting a little wound up. Next time you see a honeybee buzzing around your garden, stop for a moment. Consider the critical role honeybees play in growing your food, how they add trillions of dollars to the economy and help us maintain biodiversity and ecological balance. And then consider the challenges that bee is facing, climate change, industrial farming, and loss of habitat. To create a more sustainable world, we need to help our pollinator partners survive and thrive. There's no magic bullet solution. Solving these problems requires many approaches tailored to different settings. But if we bank on bees, finance and support beekeepers, make innovative monitoring technology more accessible, and plant more flowers, honeybees will fare better, and we will too. Next time on At Scale, from bees to trees, what happens when we go beyond the popular plant-a-tree campaigns and tap into the power of trees as infrastructure. I'm Audrey Choi, Chief Sustainability Officer at Morgan Stanley and CEO of the Institute for Sustainable Investing. Thanks for listening.